Hello, Andrew. Hello, Dr. Mick. Great to be talking to you again. Great to be talking to you. And we decided our topic this week after much deliberation two nights ago and lots of deep, intense thought. As we always do. Would be gynecology and obstetrics. <laughs> and then we thought, no, that's too big a topic. So we're doing sports, sports injuries, management of sports injuries, and dealing with athletes. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it's a really common topic in Australia. Um, and, and the reason that we both want to talk about this today, I think, is sports is really important in Australian culture. We're an outdoor culture. We like to play sports, thank goodness. And anyone who's been to the Europe or the UK with the difference in climate will understand that. Uh, and so in the sporting realm, which is so prominent in Australia, chiropractic has a big part to play, but mm. we both agree we're not playing a big enough part. Oh, I'm with you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Yeah. Um, I think what we'd like to talk about today is uh, common sports injuries that we see, mm. uh, common sports injuries that we don't see, mm. and how chiropractic can help. Uh, We've got, we're going to talk about uh, how chiropractic can benefit athletes even when they're not in pain or have no injuries. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got going? We've got... Uh, we, we will go through um, in a, bit of, a little bit of detail um, what we commonly see. Um, so with shoulders, elbows, wrists, hips, knees, ankles and those type of issues... Uh, and indeed spinal back issues with things like cricket and whatnot. I know you've had a bit to do with prominent people as well. Um, I have overseas more than in Australia uh, uh, with spinal issues. Uh, and then we'll talk a bit more about... The hurdles that um, chiropractors face and why, how chiropractic... Um faces an uphill battle at times in getting um, the recognition it deserves with athletes. And why isn't there a chiropractor on every professional sports team which would help them perform better and reduce injury rates? And the, and the final thing we'll talk about is what do physio and chiros actually do differently and what role do they both play in the management of these injuries? So, yeah, because they do different things. We're not doing the same thing, which is why there should be a physio and a Cairo on every team, as a team working together. Uh, in harmony to get good results. So first of all, uh, let's just talk about in global terms, Dr. Andrew, how chiropractic can benefit athletes in general from a global perspective. Um, do you want to start talking about that? Yeah, so this is an area which I uh, have looked into in a bit more detail. We've touched on this in the past, no pun intended. We're going to throw out a few puns today. I think there's a few puns yeah. coming today. Yeah. <laughs> so pun alert, everybody. Yeah. Um, and when we've talked about how getting regular chiropractic care improves the function of the brain, it improves the physiology of the body, it provides a better body balance. So you will perform better physically and mentally if you see your chiropractor regularly and there is now research showing that yep. so uh, wouldn't you think that any athlete wanting a better performance and a reduced injury rate would want to see a chiropractor regularly if they're going to perform better with measurable results and have less injuries and if they do get an injury less recovery time Great lead in, mate. Great lead in. And that's going to lead us in to, uh, we're going to talk about the common things that we see, uh, some of the less common things that we see, and our, maybe our take and our perspective on uh, what could be going on beyond the obvious is, you know, mm. if you've got a hamstring tear mm. or if you've got a rotator cuff tear, yeah. What's, yeah. What, where does our role, you know, fit in the management of those injuries and how could we help beyond doing muscular rehab or stretch strengthening, proprioception, where does chiropractic fit in? Uh, I think we should start, we might, do you want to start at the bottom and work up or start at the top and work down? Um, I'm going to leave that with you today, mate. I'm going to leave that in, in your hands. 
Okay, I reckon we start at the bottom and work our way up. Okay. Okay, because I think with uh, the common things we see of the ankle uh, are lateral ligament sprains. Yeah. Bit of turf toe. Oh, yeah. Turf toe. Um, and I think the with lateral ligament sprains and, and anterior um, TFL injuries, they're the common ones. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that have gone through the roof in footy. Because the, fo- the, the foot gets stuck on... Hey, TFL, what's that, mate? Uh, tib-fib ligament. Tib- right. uh, otherwise okay. known as a syndesmosis. Oh, that's a big word. Yeah, so basically what happens, you tear that ligament between, um, right in the front, between, mm. on the anterior portion of the ankle, and that can cause the bones to pull apart. Pull apart, yeah. And then the syndesmosis that joins the two bones together can become frayed. Mm. Um, and you can, you know if, if you've seen those injuries in you're an AFL man yep. I, I consider myself an AFL so, man yeah. too former uh, AFL player <laughs> former AFL legend and, of Henty and now AFL tragic watcher <laughs> yes yeah um, and I've always loved rugby league it's been a big part of my life but I, I, I am lo- I'm learning to love AFL too because my son's a player I do have a bit of an anecdote and story there about uh, some international sports representation we might come to that a bit later yeah later. we'll pull out some uh, the war chest and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so a bit of um, uh, say so when the foot plants and you mm. hyperflex it it puts too or your toe gets stuck and your foot goes forward and you, you tear that ligament at the front. It's very common since the wrestling came into rugby league and awkward tackles in AFL where, yep. you know, they, they land on top of their foot. Something that gets talked about actually with that and uh, perhaps an increase in soft tissue injuries and also um, knee and ankle injuries, um, just to put something a little bit different out there, Climate change, less rainfall, harder grounds, totally. higher injury rate. Yeah, and uh, well, there's a lot of disbelievers in climate change. All I know is the scientists that um, that are involved in climate change say it's all real. Often the scientists that say it's not real aren't involved or have degrees with climate. So I don't know where I stand on the issue, but I do know that if you're an expert in something, you're more likely to have a better understanding of yeah, it. So, yeah, I, I won't go into detail. I come from a rural background, so the Riverina in New South Wales, down near Albury yeah, yeah. and Wagga area, and it's something that the locals talk about. Do they think it's real or not? Uh, there's mixed opinions, but Sounds like normal life. Yeah, exactly right. Mixed opinions. I'm just providing feedback on a point of discussion that has come up about um, football grounds getting harder uh, and and injury rates in, in country areas. So I don't know if anyone listening it's out talked, there... No, it's yeah. talked about in professional sport too. Yeah, yeah okay. so in rugby league they talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with, with those ligament injuries, uh, I've certainly treat them. Uh, I, I guess you treat them. I treat the the more um, I do see some acute ones, but it's not. It doesn't represent a big proportion of my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I treat them from time to time. I, I like the chronic ones more than the acute ones of why? those. You well, like them? Well, I tell you why. Because um, from what I do, I mean, I you and I could rehab it. Do you mm. know what I mean? And it's something that we could we could rehab those mm-hmm. those ligament sprains. Yep. And we could do the appropriate rehab for it. But I just find it particularly rewarding when there's a chronic ankle injury that has already been treated, that hasn't responded um, to traditional means. And I find often there's a leg link discrepancy. Interesting point. That's something I wanted to bring up. Yep. So if, if the leg length... So often if you have a bad injury or a fracture of your, of your, le- of your leg in some point in your mm, life... I've done that myself with the, one of the ankles. Yep. Yeah, what can happen is it causes you, know, it causes you to change the way you would normally weight bear. And some of these injuries um, that happen that are not trauma-related, and that's the big one. I think that's a really super important point to establish whether or not an injury is trauma-related or biomechanical-related. And so many of... And, and possibly a combination of both. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's the 64 million, right? Because 
I actually believe I, I I was at a working at a footy game one time and it was mm. a it was a game out at Penrith. It was a guy called Ben Ross, right? mm-hmm. and Ben's body was in a bit of chaos. Okay, and he went to kick the uh, and I was treating him beforehand and I had concern for him because he'd fractured his cheekbone two weeks before. Okay, I kid you not, they kicked the ball off and this guy tore his uh, cruciate ligament mm. before he even touched anyone. So his anterior cruciate ligament tore as he ran the ball up in the first tackle. So I would say... So what are you saying? So what I'm saying is with some of these ligamentous injuries, they're going to happen anyway, which is your point. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is unless the body is balanced, unless you're you're balancing things out and looking at the reason why these things can happen, sometimes these injuries are going to happen just by blowing your nose. And and people say, oh, yeah, it's, you know, that, that... cruciate's torn or the ligaments are stuffed in the ankle but those ligaments may have been loaded incorrectly for a really long period of time yeah i was just about to emphasize that so what you're saying is we see loading over a period of time uh, and then often under the stress of game day conditions whether it's a trauma or not a trauma but there is a stress involved. There's increased adrenaline. There's increased serotonin. Your body's in fright or flight mode. Let's go! Uh, boom. Something snaps. Knee, ankle, hip, hamstring, rotator cuff, whatever it is. Point of, of least resistance. Yeah. So. yeah. And just whilst we're on that, sorry, because I've yeah. noticed you have in your clinic, I have in my clinic, especially whilst we're on the lower limb part of things... And talking about balance, we both get our clients to stand on a set of bilateral scales and check weight, left side weight, right side weight. And all things being balanced, you would expect that the weight should be pretty much the same left and right. How often do you see an imbalance there? Yep, and I think... The key for me with that is when there's a substantial imbalance mm. or if the What's weight... substantial? I, I think it's relevant to someone's weight, you know. With, I take it as a percentage. 5 to 10%, I start to get mm. over 5%. I think it's loading too much. Mm. 10% greatly. Uh, and also I'm interested in if they're right-handed, um, if it's the, the left leg that's, that's bearing more weight because most of the time right-handed people have a short right leg. Mm. So if they're bearing more weight on the left, there could be, as you know, biomechanical reasons for that. Um, secondary to that also, I'm interested in if they normally bear weight on the right mm. and they pop in one day and they're bearing weight on the left. It's particularly mm. relevant mm. because that means they're not bearing weight like they normally would. So I see it as a guide, as you do. I don't take yeah. it as a definitive diagnosis. I just no. use it as a guide. It's part of the whole picture, yeah. but I think it's, um, it's amazing how often, and it doesn't surprise me at all these days with the experience that we have, uh, how often you, you'll say, see someone says, I've got a chronic ankle injury, I've got a chronic knee injury. I'll see not so much sports, but you'll see someone who's 60s, 70s with hip or knee degeneration. You pop them on the scales and the heavy side's the side with arthritis. There's no coincidence. And I think that starts when we're younger with these imbalances that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just pulling up Andy. Sorry, mate, because he's tapping the table and I know this microphone's sensitive, so you could be hearing this tap, 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 tap. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, no doubt, buddy. No doubt. Yeah. Um, So... The other thing that I think is relevant for those ankle and foot injuries too, mm. uh, as you know, is orthotics. You know, and if yeah. they use orthotics or don't use orthotics, and there's mixed opinions orthotics, in my opinion, with athletes. I think we're yeah. going to come back and that's and it. We'll do we a whole are, podcast. We are going to do a whole yeah. podcast on it. Um, my disclosure is that I do utilise orthotics uh, and I do digital so do I. foot scan. So I think we're pretty much on the same level there you're right i talk to colleagues who don't believe in the use of orthotics they have a different philosophy in that regard but you and i have both seen really positive changes 
to these chronic problems when people start to use orthotics. So that's what we both do. Likewise, the wrong orthotics can really stuff people. Agreed. And so you've got to really have someone who... Look, I started doing orthotics for myself about 10 years ago Mm. simply because I lost faith with some of the podiatrists that I was was using because 50% of them or more weren't getting good results Mm. uh, from using them. And I think the problem was... We should just point out there that 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 was your experience. Yeah, totally. uh, And and we're not dissing on um, podiatrists. No, there's some, some of them are wonderful. Yeah. Um, I've got a guy across the road, he's great. We have a good relationship. Yeah, and I have a great relationship with podiatrists that I use at the moment who I refer a lot of my patients to. The problem is with orthotics is if you put an orthotic in someone's feet without understanding the big picture of what's going on in their body... Further up the chain. Further up yeah. the chain, you can cause problems. Yeah. So podiatrists in isolation, sometimes the body, the foot likes what's going on because they do a wonderful job with aligning the foot, but the rest of the body sometimes fights against it. And that was something that I learned for myself, you know. Mm. So, yeah, no dissing or hating on podiatrists. Love podiatrists, yeah. but sometimes... Uh, the body can fight against the orthotics. You yeah, know? like anything or any profession, if you just focus on the one spot without checking the entire chain of events and what's going on, you can miss pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. The same can be said of chiropractic. Yeah, you know? absolutely. The same can be said. Um, so we've done ankle, we've done foot... Uh, 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 well, when we talk about ankle, you also talked about turf toe, and uh, we see a lot of things like Morton's neuralgia and bunions, and, and this comes back to foot um, biomechanical changes and loss of arches. Yeah. And, and you know what? The good, the good mm. point about that, and let me jump in, is mm. that where chiropractors are experts in that, mm. is that we manipulate the feet quite a lot. Mm. So the joints of the foot can become stuck. Mm because of walking on flat, hard surfaces, mm. where your chiropractic treatment may differ is A, balancing the leg length, yep. but B, also um, aligning and, and adjusting the bones of the foot to get them flowing and working like the spring that they mm. should work as. And, and as we just mentioned, not just the foot, anyone worth their weight and salt will look further up the chain to see what everything else is doing so that if there's a problem with the foot, why is it that foot? Why has it been happening for the last 20 years? What else do we need to balance and correct to take pressure off the foot to keep reading Yeah. We both have the same philosophy in that regard. Yeah. So uh, I think that covers ankle and foot injuries. Yeah. Keep, the, keep the foot supple. Yeah. Keep it moving, especially relevant with running athletes especially and runners and athletes who spend a lot of time on their feet. Mm. It, but everyone needs their foot supple, mm. uh, not just athletes. You know, that's a really important part of my belief system. I know it is yours too because you, you adjust my feet beautifully when I come to see you. I love it because it just it, it moves them in positions that I don't normally go to and when my feet free up. I feel like other parts of me unwind as well. So it's, it's really helpful for me when I get my feet adjusted. Uh, and it, I, I think it helps prevent things like plantar fasciitis. And I also believe that it helps things like Achilles tendonitis. Do you know what? So we hadn't actually mentioned that, but um, uh, sports injury or not sports injury, I see a lot of plantar fasciitis. Uh, uh, and obviously looking at foot arches and that weight imbalance and leg mechanics and hip imbalances level one leg higher than the other looking at that whole chain of events uh definitely gets the best results yes so they're the main sort of foot injuries the main ones of knee uh knee classic ones medial ligament strain anterior cruciate ligament tear i know you're an expert at that at the moment yeah because i I have no anterior cruciate in one of my knees at the moment yeah and we'll chat about that posterior uh posterior uh, posterior cruciate ligament, um, patella uh, trekking disorders. Yeah, yeah, medial and medial meniscus and medial collateral ligaments see that a lot. Yep, the, the common ones, <clears throat> they're, the, they're the sort of common ones we see. Uh, the oh, iliotibial band syndrome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the big ones that we see most commonly. All of them, 
have a play, a chiropractor can play a really good role in that, uh, an important role, a role <clears> that if chiropractor, if you saw a chiropractor with some of those injuries, I have no doubt in my mind that a patient will get uh, good good results if they've had chronic in, chronic issues associated with those mm-hmm. problems. Do you want to talk a little bit about ACLs because you're the you're the expert on ACLs? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you since yeah, yeah, that's right. I only have one ACL. Yeah. Uh, and uh, look, what I would say is that um, I do need to undergo surgery to do an uh, reconstructive surgery, which is something that I've elected to do. And you are. I, oh, I haven't yeah. had an ACL in about eight months now uh, and were it not for the fact you're in like a focus like a support group yeah. <laughs> that's a joke how I used to that's, have my ACL yeah, yeah yeah that's that's a joke by the way yeah um, it's been eight, eight months since my, had my last not, ligament were it not for the fact that I have a really active lifestyle I do a lot of cardio stuff at the gym and then there's the outdoors the bush walking and and this ocean just going to holding the beach hands. yeah holding <laughs> hands that's right um, I just noticed that my knee does get sore and, and the lateral meniscus, it, it does get sore. And if I don't get adjusted every week, I do notice that difference. I think um, that's holding you together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that is something that I've elected to do. I think for other people, if you weren't as active, you may not need to get the surgery done. That's my opinion. Um, but you Definitely, there's choices to be made there. What can you you brought that up talking about chronic ACL and PCL injuries? Um, what are your thoughts in that area? With uh, what I believe is is that if you're not bearing weight evenly anatomically through your legs, it can load up your ACL or your PCL, or if you have a joint that's locked in your ankle. Or your foot what can happen is your knee doesn't flex and extend into its full range of motion like it should and so what happens instead of because your knee is a complex hinge which means it opens and closes but it also rotates right at the end range of motion so it means that if you have tension through those ligaments because you're not bearing weight evenly one or, one or two of those ligaments can become frayed or they can become loaded and it reduces their tensile strength. So the ligament can then, uh, under more minor forces, fail. That's not the case in all the time because sometimes people get their legs reefed and sometimes people fall in a way that just completely snaps that ligament. Or, or yeah, sometimes people go skiing and get hit by someone as they come off the chair and you just go down in a screaming heap and then you don't have an ACL. But it's my my belief that if unless you're working hard at balancing your body, and I don't know we do that, or I don't know other types of practitioners do that as well, mm-hmm. you can end up with what seemingly is a traumatic injury being as a result of uh, loading biomechanics over time. No different to patella, like when your kneecap doesn't go up and down in a straight line and it causes friction. And so the common treatment for that would be the physios or the chiros or osteos recommending a thing called VMO exercises, vastus medialis oblique, where you strengthen your, your there's a small muscle to the, to the inside of your leg. And what it does, it st- it gets the it, it kneecap seemed, Yeah, it seems pretty common. Like every time I hear anyone... With a knee injury. Uh, with a knee injury. So I went to the physio. They said I've got to strengthen my VMI and I'm not activating my glutes. Yeah, so glute medius needs activation. VMO needs to be turned on. And look, th- th- funny enough, um, I've worked with a, a lady about 14 years ago who was, she was ahead of her time, Kerry, and she was a Pilates, uh, Pilates physio. And she said that your extensor hallucis longus, your VMO, and your glute medius all work as a chain together, which means that 
your glute medius fires, your VMO fires, and your big toe all sort of work together as a, as a, as a team. So if you, if you get a dysfunction in one of those areas, it has a knock-on effect in the other two. That's, that, that belief system has now been around for a very long period of time. Mm. And so to get, so if you've got a locked big toe, if your big toe's not, not working, or your glute medius is firing, not firing properly, but let's talk about from a chiropractic perspective why your glute medius wouldn't be firing. Or, yeah, how would you get a locked big toe? Yeah, and most of the time we believe that that's secondary to sacroiliac dysfunction. Sacroiliac dysfunction and at the other end, um, uh, yeah, uh, pelvic imbalance and dropped arches in your feet. They seem to go hand in hand. They do. And we divide sacroiliac problems into one of two, uh, whether the sacroiliac stuck and misaligned or the sacroiliac is unstable and pulled apart. Both of those situations can have a different effect on the muscles in your butt, and then that can have an effect on the, the way the muscles fire into your knee and down your leg. So a lot of these knee injuries are also secondary to pelvic dysfunction. Uh, so the, the, the that's, I should point out that's, that's our experience, what, what we have both seen in 21 years of practice unless they're traumatic yep. so unless and, and how do we know they've got pelvic imbalances um, we should also point out because we've taken x-rays and done posture assessments and we felt the joint yeah and if there might be swelling in the sacroiliac joint and there might be um, abnormal movement in the sacroiliac joint so mm-hmm. all of those factors so where chiropractors play a role in that is uh, we might do some glute medius activation mm-hmm. And we might do work on that muscle called the VMO and we might release a thing called the ITB and even get you to do rolling down your ITB. But what we'd also do, or get you to stretch your groin, which is another common thing, but we'd also try to maximise the function of the way those big joints in your pelvis move so they're flowing freely. Yeah, it makes sense, and please let me know if it doesn't, that... If the force is going through both legs are pretty much evenly distributed and you don't have that dysfunction, things are not going to be abnormally stretched. Your body is stronger and more, <clears throat> pardon me, more able to cope with those forces going through them. It's when you get the imbalances causing abnormal stresses which then causes excessive strains. We should say they're two different things, stresses and strains. And then we get something snapping or breaking. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we'll move up a little bit. And we'll move up into... I'll I, I tell you what the, the really... The, let's move up to a muscular portion, and that is to the hamstrings, and that is to the hip flexors. So... That, the most common t- in sports injury that you and I would see would be hamstring tears. Mm. Other than that, for me, it would be hip flexor strains and tears. And we, we, we feel strongly about the role chiropractic can play in that, don't we? Look, there's published research in peer-reviewed journals to say, show that athletes getting regularly adjusted by chiropractors have less hamstring injuries. We can say that definitively. And why is that, mate? Exactly what we're just talking about. There's that and also the stuff that you love, mate, and that is the fact that if there's nerve pressure in the low back and a nerve, if you've got your simple, simple, simple um, mind game, imagine those nerves uh, in your back that come out of your back and they supply electricity into the hamstring. If you've got pressure on those nerves, much like you would have your foot on a hose with water going through and then the water can't get through, Those message, that's, that's the same as your brain sending messages to your hamstrings. So, if you take, so that could be one of the bones in your spine affecting the nerve flow in your low back. So, Which causes the muscle to be preloaded to an abnormal amount. Weaken and tighten. Yep. Yeah, so it's tighter but weaker, not tighter and stronger. Exactly. 
And so then by seeing a chiropractor, he can take um, get those vertebrae to move, those bones to move freely. You get the pressure off the nerve, which is like taking your foot off the hose so water can flow through, so the muscle can return to its normal uh, flexibility and tone, muscle tone. Mm. And that principle is the same as your hip flexors. The difference is, is that your low back, like low down in your low back, so the lower vertebrae do the back of your legs, the upper vertebrae do the front of your legs and your thighs. So that's super common, super, mm-hmm. super common. I did also prepare um, just some other common injuries that we, that we see in the hip. Uh, uh, they're labral tears. And, you know, I'm seeing labral tears more often. I don't know about you, but that's the, from our belief, often labral, labral tears, once again, can be trauma-related or it can be repetitive strain over time. Mm, so micro-trauma over time, yep. And uh, with those labral tears... Uh, it can cause a little bit of, uh, uh, basically the labrum, it's a funny word labrum and it's poorly, it's, you know, it's, it's not something that most people know about. Isn't that, what is that, the cartilage that lines the joint? Yeah, it, it acts like a rubber seal that holds the ball of your hip securely within its socket. But if you're getting some locking and clicking or you're getting pain in your hip or groin, or you're getting stiffness in your hip and limited range of motion, you might have one of these label tears. One of the only, there's tests that you can do, there's two main tests, Mm. including getting your hip to move in certain directions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the main causes of it are trauma, um, you know, as we said, or sometimes structural abnormalities too. Some people are born with funny shaped hips, mm. uh, but often it's the repetitive motion like golfers and baseballers and those sort of sports that get With the stuff. twisting motion through yeah, the hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And funny enough, it's the change of, dir- um, change of direction, but that will more affect the groin muscles rather than the, this labrum. Mm. And this labrum is like a thick, uh, white uh set of tissues that acts as like this rubber sort of socket seal that keeps everything secure and rubberized and safe within the joint and it keeps the fluid inside nice and uh, uh, moist that gives the joint some lubrication so uh, Andrew's rolling his eyes at that one <laughs> uh, but often often <laughs> often there is um, yeah, we, we often find that the best way to diagnose that is actually uh, with a dye injection into the hip itself and they inject the dye into the fluid and then that shows whether or not there is uh, been some uh, hip, you know, hip damage uh, to this labrum. Uh, controversial whether or not what you do, well, we know from a chiropractic point of view we want to get balance through the pelvis, but if this labrum is torn, what can happen is you offload it so you don't bear weight evenly through that hip so you bear more weight to the other side. So it's important that we can bear weight evenly. So what's often recommended is a thing called a debriding of the, uh, of the, of the labrum, which means they go on with, go in with this little duck build thing and they shave the labrum that's torn <clears throat> out. I just, sorry, I just want to digress there because a thought popped into my head. Digress. And um, whilst we're talking about especially the hips and knees, and these are joints which so commonly uh, get arthritic, and we see so many people getting replacements of these joints later in life. Yep. Some people have a history of, I had a sports injury when I was younger. A lot of people don't, but... If you are a person playing sports and you have injuries of this nature, if you do not take care of them now and then look at balancing your body down the track, you are at much higher risk of adding, having an arthritic joint which will possibly need to be replaced. And that's a very uncomfortable procedure it's uncomfortable to get to that stage in the first place and it costs a lot of money so it would be much healthier for everyone involved um, to take care of yourself whilst you have the opportunity well said uh i also believe that with with uh 
that situation, and the thought that popped into my head as you were saying that too, was that what can happen over time is that if you have an injury, mm. more often than not, you tend to bear weight off that injury. To, yeah. So then you cause other problems related, unrelated to that injury, namely... Compensations. Comp- we have this. Sorry about that. We just got a phone call from Sarah. This bulges... Uh, Injuries to the back, injuries to uh, uh, other parts of your body because you're not bearing weight evenly. Evenly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I do believe that it's, as Andrew says, everything comes at a cost. So if you tend to ignore something, you may get away with it for a while, but eventually down the track it's going to come at some cost, whether that cost just be... Uh, physically with joint replacements or to society, you know, financial costs or personal costs, yeah. you know, or uh, the, the cost that you might be in pain for a very long period of time prior to undergoing mm. those those procedures. So, yeah, well put. Uh, it, uh, yeah, we don't want to sit here and preach to people, um, but it's important whatever choice you make, it's an informed one. Uh, the final thing that I want to chat to about the pelvis, and this is one that I saw... Um, yeah, and we're going to move our way up, is a thing called Gilmore's groin. And um, it's a common one. It's called sportsman's hernia. It's a complex one. Um, and if anyone's got pain at the junction of their leg and their abdomen, um, it can. Uh, it's not a true hernia in a sense, but it can be a tear in the linings of the stomach called the aponeurosis. And basically what happens, the abdominal muscles converge to form what's called an inguinal ligament, and that can tear and that can cause, you know, this muscular archway of your abdomen to stretch and open up. And it leaves the low abdomen unsupported. So it's a muscle called your transversus abdominis. It doesn't work properly and it can lead to chronic instability of your pelvis. It's one you don't want to ignore, that one. That leads to big time problems later on. And I do see them in chronic cases too. Mate, let's work our way up. Uh, let's go to... Shoulder. Shoulder. Do you yeah. want to handle shoulder, mate? <clears throat> Well, what's a common uh, one we see? Well, the rotator cuff, isn't yeah. it? I think most people seem to know what a rotator cuff is, and that's a group of muscles uh, which especially involved with rotation of the shoulder, why it's called the rotator cuff. And once again, talking about imbalances, as humans, we tend to do everything in front of us. So that group of muscles at the front of the shoulder gets a lot more work than the group of muscles at the back and we tend to be one-sided so typically we're mostly right-handed some people are left-handed that is special gifted people who are left-handed and so one shoulder will naturally be a bit stronger than the other one which is the weaker side so I see a lot of rotator cuff injuries be it from repetitive strain uh, type mechanism Uh, and I also and that might be on the stronger side I also see a lot of people who come in who will have rotator cuff problems on the non-dominant side e.g. if you're right-handed someone will come in and say I'm getting a left shoulder problem what's going on with that because it's the weaker side and doesn't have the stability. So whilst we were just talking about the hip, which is a ball and socket joint, so it's a big ball that fits into a deep socket, it's very stable and strong, but it doesn't have as much movement. Whereas the shoulder is also a ball and socket joint, but it's a big ball at the top of the arm bone, and a a small socket at the end of your shoulder blade. Which has a labrum too. Which has a labrum too. So we have a lot more movement and flexibility. We can reach around behind us, which we can't do with our legs so much. Um, But it's prone to instabilities and imbalances. And so that's what I see a lot of. How about you? Yeah, I think that's really well said. Uh, I, I think the best way to describe the rotator cuff that I read in a book once is like a seal balancing a ball on its nose. It has to be dynamically stable. Mm. So you imagine the seal underneath balancing that ball. That's the job of the rotator cuff to keep it stabilised. Uh, the, the problem is, and, and I know this is one of your specialties, 
is that because of, and I feel very passionately about this, that in, if, you're, if you have any shoulder injury and you are not looking after someone's posture and changing their posture, you will get very average results. Because if someone has, uh, you know, computer posture, mm. it, it causes them to flex forward in their back and then the shoulders themselves and the rotator cuff, it rolls forward. So it means that your shoulder doesn't work like it should and it causes fraying um, of those rotator, rotator cuff tendons. Rotator tendon cuff, and, and then we also see tendonitis yep. type injuries. And like impingement, bite, yeah, impingement. Impingements. Bursitis. Bursitis, thank you. Uh, um, what's the other word I can't remember in the shoulder that we see a lot of but on that exact point I'm really glad you brought it up because I'm just reading um, some information here uh, and that is shoulder pain can be caused by a stiff rib cage thoracic spine and poor mobility of the opposite hip joint requiring specific chiropractic adjustments so that's the whole chain of, of posture which ends up giving you shoulder symptoms so you can look at the shoulder as much as you want but if it seems to keep coming back there could be something further down the chain you, you which touched is on it you touched yeah. on a great point there and that is people with asthma breathing difficulties sleep apnea all that stuff can lead to chronic shoulder issues because the rib cage isn't flexing and extending like mm. it should. Yeah, great point. Um, very quickly, there's two types of yeah, different types of shoulder injuries. Mm. Two main ones mm. um, when the labrum itself gets stretched out and opened as well. Mm. One of them is called um, a slap tear, superior longitudinal anterior to posterior tear in the in the capsule itself, the the, the labrum that that spongy thing we I'm, talked about. I'm glad you elaborated on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and once again, the cartilage disc, you know, that attaches the socket of attaches to the socket of the shoulder. Um, if you fall on your arm, overhead activities, lifting heavy objects, you know, pain throwing, you might get a pop, click, catching. It's this catching again. That's consistent with labral tears. Mm. Um, that often die into the joint again. Got to see if that needs repairing with it with that sort of tear as well with the tear to the labrum. Uh, the other main injury to the, is, of course, the uh, dislocation of the shoulder. And uh, they check that with a, that, that's often called a thing called Bankart's lesion. And it, um, basically what happens, the shoulder gets pushed out of the socket, you know, so it leads to chronic overstretching. So dislocation, 98% of the time is an impact thing. Yes. Rarely. But I have seen it. Uh, it comes from someone born with, as we were talking about before, that ball and socket yeah. joints, yeah. abnormally asymmetrical, doesn't fit. There's too much movement, and they are prone to to that the ball of the uh, humerus slipping out of that labrum. We're going to quickly talk... Oh, yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, there's one other thing we haven't talked about, Mick. It just popped into my head because it's something I see so much what is of. It? What is it? Frozen shoulder. Ah, uh, adhesive capsulitis. Yeah. Frozen shoulder. I see so much frozen shoulder. I think we've already talked about the mechanisms because that's my understanding of it. It's either post-trauma, as in a fall on outstretched that's arm. yeah. Also, something I see these days, post-surgery in that area, e.g. Um, a, a breast surgery procedure for whatever it is, um, causing pec compensation, and so there's a chain of events. Um, the other one I, I commonly see is frozen shoulder in the weaker arm from someone who, as it turns out, has been sleeping on the outstretched arm, for example. Or someone who's just had a, a baby and they were always carrying the bub in the opposite arm whilst doing things like driving, whatever it's it is right. about the house. Yeah, okay. So they're really common mechanisms. Um, I think you'll find if you look into the literature or speak to the GPs, they don't know a lot about it or why or how it can be improved. 
I've seen people come in and say, I've been like this for five years. I call it the penguin syndrome. They can't lift their arm more than 15 centimetres away from the side of their body. And we have a good laugh when I call it that. Yeah. Um, but it's all about restoring the, the normal mechanics. I'll throw one at you with frozen shoulder moment. Yeah, please and, but, do. Yeah, and that is a decrease in estrogen. Oh, Okay. Yeah, if you look into the literature, mm. you might find something interesting there because it happens in a lot of menopausal women. I was about to say, so on that note, seems to be much more prevalent in women than men. Yes. And so there's, I, I couldn't, I, I saw f- three or four frozen shoulders and they were all the same demographic. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? It was mm. women in their 40s, in mm. 40s and early 50s. And so I went and Google searched it. Whether or not that science was good science, I don't know. But I did find papers <coughs> on um, estrogen uh, lowering and, uh, and or estrogen fluctuations and frozen shoulder. Mm. So interestingly enough. And, and we will touch more on, uh, no pun intended, uh, two. The, yeah, yeah, two. Uh, but wait, there's more. Uh, uh, we will touch more on estrogen imbalances and, and uh, feminine issues and fertility in, in another podcast. Yeah, that's coming up. Obstetrics, gynecology, fertility. We're going to do that in our next couple of podcasts because it's something that interests us both. Uh, so i tell you what, what we haven't spoken about, a really important part, mm. and that is that, um, and we'll, we'll quickly touch on um, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, right, yeah. wrist, yeah. Uh, which are all relevant, getting joint range of motion working normally, muscle tone, you know, functioning at its best, uh, uh, tennis elbows and, and um, golfer's elbow, once again, may not be related to those sports. No, but and, and normally it's not these yeah. days. Yeah, not often it's repetitive strain. Yeah, and, yeah. computer and, age. Yeah. But what I do want to say about it, which is important for all these upper limb issues, is that if you have a loss of your normal curve in your neck yes. or you have misaligned vertebras in your neck, the same principle of your low back going down to your hamstrings applies directly to the muscles of your shoulder and your arm. Mm. That if your neck is not aligned correctly or there's pressure on nerves in your neck, it will affect the tone of muscles in your arm and shoulder. So why is that meant to anyone who's not aware of it? So the, the reason, the reason that, so there's, why, when I mean a loss of lordosis, let's talk about that for starters. Well, well hang on a sec. I wanted, yeah. the, the point I wanted people to hear is the nerves that supply everything in your arms and shoulders come from the neck. Sorry, mate. Yes. Yeah. And, so the basic point Everything that comes out of the electricity, yeah, going into the muscles Uh, goes to neck, obviously, further down the body. But all the muscles and joints in your shoulder, elbow, wrist, and hand come out of the spine at the neck level, and that's. That's the point we struggle to get across, isn't it? That's the repetitive thing that you want. That's our repetitive strain. That's yeah. our RSI, yeah. getting that message out there, that if your neck is misaligned, if your neck is the wrong shape that it should be, what will happen is those nerves will get pressed upon or they'll get rubbed. It's more commonly rubbed than just pressed upon. Mm. And the rubbing and the facilitation of those nerves cause an abnormal muscular response to your shoulder muscles in your arm. And they can cause muscles to turn on and off like they shouldn't. Mm. So senior chiropractor, getting those the neck aligned and getting your neck adjusted is super important if you've got chronic shoulder issues. Or Arm further issues. down the chain, exactly. Arm issues. Yep. Yep. Uh, but once again, as we've spoken about ad nauseum <clears throat> on previous podcasts, that if your neck is misaligned, it may be related also to not only just posture, but also your airway, not being able to breathe well, mm-hmm. clenching of the jaw, other stuff, other problems that chiropractors deal with. And that if you're not addressing those underlying factors of airway, jaw, neck, and you've got a chronic shoulder issue, you may need to get those areas assessed because it's super important to get the maximal function in those areas to get the maximal function out of the rest of, the, of these other injuries that we're talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think we've, we've covered the main <clears throat> ones. Anything else we haven't covered? Yeah. Uh, okay, so is that shoulder? We briefly want to touch on elbow. We see a lot of tennis elbow. 
computer age, typing on a keyboard, they're the wrist extensors. Every time you lift your fingers up, elbow gets a workout. And and that repetitive strain, because your hand's in a palm down condition, your arms turn, it's pronated is the word. So that's with hands open and face down on the table, basically. Uh, so there's abnormal mechanics. So what we could be... Um, I've seen these joystick mouses. What do you think of them? Do you think they're worthwhile? Uh, joystick? Haven't seen those. So I've got like the, what that, about the trackpad? Tra- but that would still be palm down, would yeah. it? Yeah. So these joysticks keep the hand in... I've never used one. I just saw them advertised the other Mate, day. I'm just a big fan of voice activated. The sooner we can just talk to the computer and have Siri. it happen... In, in, instead of... Yeah. <laughs> Instead of having to physically type it in, the better my life will be because I can't type. I would have preferred Cyril rather than <laughs> Siri. <laughs> uh, apparently that's more popular in the rural areas. I'm too. glad I didn't say hey because otherwise we would have got the phone turning on that we were trying to record on. You know, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, and the other one that is not sports related that is relevant to what you're saying is carpal tunnel, yeah. which is well treated by chiropractic because it's yeah. a rubbing of the nerves at the wrist yeah. and sometimes a rubbing of the nerves at the elbow and the neck. So, yeah, that's all related as well. Uh, anything else you can think of as far as upper limb that you want to talk about? No, just on that note with wrist and elbow because... Um, uh, Triangular ligament, there's one I just yeah. remembered. There's a chronic tear on the outside of your wrist. There's fibrocartilaginous tear yeah. of that ligament there. That often needs bracing. I will say that anyway. Um, sorry, mate. That's it. I think I've covered. We've covered everything. Yeah, there. pretty much. The the most common things that we say. Yeah. So that covers the common things and how chiropractic can play a role in the rehab or the treatment of some of those injuries. Uh, with some of them obviously require surgery. You know that we spoke about. Some of them you need to see your orthopedic surgeon. And yeah, we should point that out. Whilst uh, obviously we're both massive advocates for uh, uh, looking at these things and restoring normal body function, which usually gets a very good result. Uh, if the damage is so chronic and your body is so weakened, or there's been a trauma involved that the structural integrity is compromised, we'll refer off to someone who who may need a a surgical intervention. And Big Andy's a typical example of that. He wants his ACL repaired and, uh, you know, he he wants to lead a more active, productive life. So he's going to get that repaired. And I think that's really sound thinking. You know, you want max... Every procedure comes at some cost. Yep. But the cost, the benefit outweighs the uh, the downside of you getting yeah. that. Yeah, and that's that's the decision you make, isn't it? There's a cost and there's a risk involved, but how do they weigh up in your decision? So, look, they're the main things that we see. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to... Spe- a couple of things we want to speak about before we, before we finish up is uh, the hurdles that chiropractors face in professional sport. No pun intended. Yes, and the hurdlers and the marathon runners. No. <laughs> uh, so, look, that, uh, that's something I feel very passionately about because I've worked with a footy club for a long time and I'm sort of dealing with, at the moment, some professional runners who are elite runners. And I feel that I constantly feel... Uh, I feel hamstrung in dealing with some of these Is that athletes. another pun? Sorry, there's another one. Thank you. Yeah, Boom I tish. thought we'd finish. But Boom tish. No, I'm going to rattle off as many as I can. Yeah. Um, because a lot of uh, the frontline defence of treating these athletes is physiotherapy. But even when physiotherapy has been shown not to be effective and shown not to work, chiropractors are not consulted. And so I'm often seen as the last, as you are sometimes mm. the last form of care rather than a team approach and people coming to you saying look i was told i shouldn't come and see absolutely. you but i wanted to give it a go anyway it's a very common uh, that most athletes that i treat uh there's a certain degree of hesitation and most 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 athletes i treat the physios do not agree with them coming to see me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in right here and I just want to outline one point. And anyone who's listened to any of these podcasts know I'm big on research. I love reading research. 
Uh, I like having more evidence backing up what we know because it's what we see every week. And that is getting regular chiropractic care, your body performs better, it recovers faster, you have less injuries. Would not every single athlete want that result? Uh, uh, they would if they were informed. Yes. No, more. My, no, my point is, if you asked an athlete, would you like your I'll body to perform better? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you like your body to perform better? Would you like to have less injury rate? And if you get injured, would you like to recover more quickly? You know the answer is yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So every single athlete should be seeing a chiropractor if they want those results. And the smart ones, without and informed a doubt, ones do. There's, there's no controversy about that. Okay? So if anyone out there has heard anything different from any other professional, they're wrong. I'm just going to put that on the table. They are wrong. And there is no other person in any other profession who can make a comment about what any individual chiropractor can or cannot do because they do not know what we do. I love it, Andrew. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. And you would have I'm done just, it better yeah. than what I would have done, actually. I'm just going to get off my soapbox. Oh, so I want... Because you know I feel passionately yeah. about this because yeah. I feel at times I've, I've uh, over my career, uh, I feel that I have been in a position where I felt like my professionalism was having to be compromised by working in a team environment. Mm. And I was often seen down a lower rung. Other times I was high mm. up the ladder. Mm. Right? So sometimes I worked in with, with clubs and I was high up the ladder. And other mm. times I was like, that's the normal part mm. of just being part what, of the team. I, I would just like to point out that if it were up to me, we would be part of a team. Doctor, physio, chiro... Massage therapist, exercise physiologist, strapper, whoever else you want to have, we should all be working as a team together to get the best result for that team or individual. I do not know why that does not happen. And you know, we left out an important one too, trainer. Trainer. Trainers. Trainers are the most open to us, I will mm. find that too. Trainers, tra uh, trainers, I've had great relationships with mm. trainers over my career because they, they really see that there's a gap that we need to fill. And so they're more open-minded to using what we, like embracing what we do, mm. rather than, if I've always said to you, mate, if you look at the, you know, there's thinking fast and thinking slow, and I really think that a lot of people in professional sport who hold the power to who is involved in professional sport are governed by their, their professional sport is uh, something that we chiropractors need to be in a more prominent role and it will be the, for the absolute betterment of the profession, professional code and the athlete itself, I have no doubt. And if you go through, and I think one thing talks in professional sport and that's money and see how much money chiropractors are being paid compared to physios, compared to massage therapists, compared to sports doctors, compared to exercise physiologists, compared to everyone, and compare the budgets, and that's where you'll see the discrimination. Um, I think our final thing uh, that we want to speak about, but it was just briefly, uh, what do physios and chiros do differently? Yeah, what, um, that, I think we've touched on this before. What, why most, many people might think, oh, should I see a chiro? Or should I see a physio? The answer is yes. You might possibly need to see both. We do different things. Can you just elaborate on that, Mick? I think with, with where physios have a place and where we have a place, uh, you and I speak about ab nauseam, is we try to get maximal function and balance throughout the whole body. So we won't just treat the injured area. We'll look at the whole chain, chain the yeah. way everything flows and moves. We'll try to get it working as best we can. Where physiotherapy will work differently is that they will work in isolation on the area itself. Uh, and they're very good at that. They're very good at uh, if they, there's a they ligament. They do muscle tear. and joint rehab. Don't yeah, they? yeah. Right. And they do it very, very well if and they're a lot good of soft at what they do. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. So if there's a torn ligament, if there is instability in a joint, if there is um, 
if there is inflammation, they have bracing methods, taping methods, uh, uh, ex- uh, as we do. I, I do that as well. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say that I do that. But they also, they do that very, most of them do that very well. Uh, exercise, uh, functional exercises on a specific injured joint, peripheral joint, which will help. But uh, that, that's where our service is different. I think both, I, and I will say this, mate, I, I just really believe both are necessary in professional sports. So do I. You know, and I just don't agree on the proportion of money being spent on one area compared to another. And that's been my experience, you know, and across, I'm sure, uh, many other teams' experiences with professional sport as well. Um, anything else you want to add to that, buddy? I think we're just about out of time. No, I think we have uh, covered that really well. And we've also managed to get a, quite a number of puns in there today. So I'm going to give us a mark of eight and a half out of ten. I thought that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Me too. Um, hopefully you get some of these guys I treat listening to these podcasts. Love you all. Jeff Fennick, love you all. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we'll see you next time where we're probably going to do a bit of fertility. Why fertility could be on the wane? Um, could you see a chiropractor if you're pregnant, pre and post? Uh, what about the delivery of babies, breech babies, all that sort of interesting stuff? That might be uh, an interesting topic or two to cover. So let's do a bit of homework, you and I. Uh, meet up again next bat time, next bat channel. All the best, mate. Love talking to you. Cheers, Mick. Bye.